The primitive skills that allowed our ancestors to survive and thrive has been passed along for thousands of generations. Despite torrential rain the day before, entrepreneur, coach, and fellow bushman Eric Beck joins me to build a primitive bow drill fire. As we battle the moisture, he shares his touching personal relationship with fire and how he uses insights from primitive skills to empower other entrepreneurs and bridge communication gaps between the current generations. My name is Eric Beck, and I love everything about the woods and everything about the idea of surviving and thriving. And I've been teaching people to do that for 20 years in the context of small business and entrepreneurs and in my own family with six sons. I think there's a massive realm of sort of romanticism around the bow drill, right? The idea that you can can start a fire from nothing but materials that you've gathered in the forest. And it's true, it's an impressive skill to have and it's, it's a rarer skill to have even amongst a lot of the survivalists that I know. And I think the reason for that is because of how much persistence it takes to really become effective at it. And especially somewhere like here, you know, we're down in the good old Northeast after a downpour and everything is soaked. Yeah, bow drill is um, not for the faint of heart. And it is, um, it's something that's truly primal to think, if I look around, everything I need, I see. There's no supermarket, there's no mall, there's no electronic anything. And that's natural and good. In some ways, the wilderness has become the modern world where we are disconnected. And so there is a, a naive innocence to, to the thought that bow drill brings about, which is that I can cultivate the very thing that keeps me alive, that keeps me safe, that keeps me warm with just what's around us. It's insane to think how far we've come from that. I mean, I think that the majority of us, and I don't necessarily even mean this critically, I wonder what the percentage is of people that can even make a fire. Just with lighter and sticks and, 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 sure. and, and matches, let alone sure. being able to come out here. And I'm not saying that to sound like an elitist. It's, it's more from the standpoint of when you mentioned a disconnect to our natural surroundings. Could you imagine, after everything we went through today creating that fire, now think, we're out here, period, and it's cold and it's wet. And if we don't get that thing going, right. then we're in for a very long night. And, right. and you don't have to be a caveman or an ancient human to understand that one night in the cold, wet woods can be it. Hypothermia yeah. comes quick. Yeah, yeah. How do you like making a fire down here in the good old wet northeast? I mean, you, you learned bow drill down in the northeast, correct? I did. I did. Well, the first time I actually learned it um, just uh, outside of San Diego. Uh, I did okay. a survival course there and, um, you know, and then it's different here. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge everywhere. You know, um, but like you were saying, you know, most people's relationship to fire is danger. Fire is bad. Right. You know, or fire is a candle on a birthday cake. It's right. not survival. You, you know, you start fire with matches and and that's fine. You know, this is nothing wrong with that. But there's something I think something that we've lost. With our connection to what keeps us alive, what our primal truths are. Um, what our inheritance is. And while superstition and nonsense from ages gone by 
largely has not served us. Um, there is something about the generational transfer of survival wisdom that um, really can inform how we approach the modern world, whether we're here or whether we're in the, in the boardroom. I think you touch on a really good point there when you say generational wisdom. And this is a field where I imagine you have a lot of crossover, given the fact that you really specialize in helping people learn, we'll call them survival skills, but coping skills and, 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 and tools to, to excel in their entrepreneurial and business worlds. And I know we've discussed in the past how there's just this massive communicational disconnect between previous generations, my generation, and certainly the one that's up and coming now. And you've, you've made massive strides for people in terms of, of bridging that gap and, and, and helping both sides communicate better and find better tools. But I find the correlation interesting considering the reputation that my generation gets for being soft, which I don't argue is well earned in many cases, and the disconnect to something like what it takes to get out here and build a fire, especially if your life was on the line. And I think there's a parallel between those two worlds, between the, the, the edge and the grit that it would take to survive out here just off those kinds of primitive skills sure. and how that mindset could be applied. I mean, I find it valuable just in day-to-day -day skills, day-to-day yeah. -day attitude. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of transference over into the Absolutely. entrepreneurial world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's, there's knowledge, like you have to know what to do. You know, you have to know how to make a spindle. You have to know how to make the grip and the bow drill and all that stuff, right? Um, but then there's also the effort. And then finally is the structure because you can know how to do everything and you can have tons of endurance and skill and get going on that thing. But if your structure isn't correct, and that's where I think the gap is, is that in a large part, my generation grew up with very little structure and we got to fill it in with creativity and fill it in with ideas. You know, I had real records. I had a real record player. I remember eight track, right? Um, Magnum PI came on seven o'clock on Thursdays. That Tom Selleck Magnum PI, <laughs> not the one now. And we waited. There was long periods of that. And what that did is it caused a skill set to evolve that was around creating structure where there was none. And I think the gap is not that there's not knowledge with the younger generation, not that your employees or your team won't put in the effort. It's that structure piece. You know, you've got the bow drill, you've got this, the fireboard, you've got the spindle, you've got everything, but now we've got to create the exact alignment. And when we do, what do we get? We get friction. And that's when it, there's the blowout and the spindle goes flying. Translate that to the business world or to an organization or even a family. Man, here comes the friction. Here comes the smoke. Something must be wrong. This is too hard. It's not supposed to be this hard. And it's like the endurance to stay in when it does get hard is the exact thing that translates at some magic moment into that ember. And then there's a whole nother set of structure. I have to have my tender bundle just right. I have to have my teepee just right. I need somebody to help me probably. Like I can't do this on my own. And somehow we've gotten the idea that I should just be able to do it on my own. It shouldn't require all that structure. So I think sometimes the folks that we're trying to give our, our vision to, 
to, to, to inspire them and to motivate them, those folks don't always have the structure that they're used to. And so they wait and then they get labeled apathetic or lazy or, un- or soft or unmotivated. And the truth is they're not, but they do need something. They do need that structure and they need the endurance to stay in there and they need the example. They need the example of somebody who can stay in there and, and get it going. The example is the biggest one. And I wonder, I mean, I try to think of examples within our generation that I look to. And I do know several individuals who are go-getters through and sure. through and, and, and really lay the stereotypical millennial. Of course. You know, yeah. or at least the stereotypical perception of a millennial to another generation to waste. But they are fewer and far between. And I think you make an interesting point, both in how you touched on how different it was for you back when it was Magnum PI. Right. There is so much stimulation in the modern world. And this is something that I think that not just my generation, but all generations. Well, you know, you, you see, I, I watch my father and his baby boomer generation. They just have these roundabout arguments back and forth on Facebook over political things. So that all the generations play into the stimulus in a different way. But I think what's so different about mine and certainly the even younger ones is when it comes to something like the example of a bow drill they'll see that done on tv mm-hmm. or they'll see that done and presented in a very very limited capacity so they get just the heroic sliver of what what it might look taste and feel like right and there's nothing that really shows or glorifies the hardship of what it takes to get there and i think that is the necessary inherent philosophy that needs to be better ingrained in the generations to come. That's 100% what Embrace the Animal is about. It's about seeking that hardship. It's about getting excited for that hardship. It's about falling in love with that shit. Yeah. Being ready to eat your own guts until you're at a point where you realize that there's nothing that you can't overcome. And there's nothing like frigid hands and frozen feet in the middle of a shitty rainy forest trying to get a fire going to really culture that in someone's mind. But the trouble is getting getting people to be motivated to want to go out and suffer to find that catharsis. And that's not easy unless they see something that they thought was cool or badass on TV. I mean, that's where in my line of work, teaching survival and such, it's growing more and more because more and more people are seeing it on TV. And I do think there's probably more at work in terms of a deeper kind of cultural shift towards better self-reliance and maybe towards a reconnection to something given how rigid I imagine society can feel for some people in its current iteration. But there's no denying that there's been a massive, massive boost based on what people see on TV. And I think a wish to emulate that. I think one of the best things about using the example of fire is that there's a personal aspect. There's a very, very close kindred relationship between man and fire. I mean, it's our original technology in a sense, and it has such an inherent place in what propelled us to the point that we are in the world. And I think people still have a deep connection to fire, even if they don't know how to build one. All you have to do is sit around a campfire and catch yourself just needlessly staring into it to realize that there's a hypnotism to it. But I think that there's just a, there's a deep kindred connection to fire. And I think that the struggle that it takes to build one using something like a bow drill, it, it kind of puts the appreciation back into what a fire really is. You know, mm-hmm. when you can just go and push a button right. or click something and it just comes 
blowing out of there without even a second's thought. And don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about that. Sure. I rather enjoy that fact just as much as the next man. But it brings with it a, a, a lack of consideration for what it took to make that, how far it's brought us, and how, how easily that could be taken away from us. You know, a fire is interesting even in that way that it, it gives and it takes away. It's, you said it best, when people see fire and they think danger, and there's a truth to that when it can be let, you know, run rampant. But there's also a great safety. I mean, it's literally a form of shelter, right. protection. So one of the things that's great about bow drill in particular is an idea that's it's just incredibly important to me and I'm sure many other people, which is that you can learn everything from anything. Like if you look deeply enough at anything, you can learn everything from it. So here's a good example. In the bow drill, you have to go backwards to go forward. You have to go backwards to go forward. Talk about motivation. Talk about what do people want to do with their lives? How do they optimize their life? How do they really come to full potential? You got to go backwards first. You got to go back. And in this case, I would think you go back to when you're young. You go back to your early heroes and you say, what is it about those people that's starting a fire in my heart? You know, here I am at seven, eight years old and it's Han Solo and he's cool and he's badass and he's driving the Millennium Falcon and it's doing awesome stuff. You know, no one told me to like it, but something started burning in a good way as I got older, other heroes. But when you look at those aspects and you go, man, that was in me. That's going backwards to go forward, to go backwards to go forward, to go backwards to go forward, to stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. Something's burning. That's what we need. We need everybody, you know, on fire. We need that thing to light up in them. And when we pursue that, it gives other people permission to light up. And for me, it's not just personal in the way that I teach it about what your vision is and how to kindle it, how to pass that on, how to, you could even think of it as the inheritance of the heart. You know, not everyone needs to go start a business, but everybody does have a vision. And I think the concept really for me comes home because um, as a personal experience, uh, my dad was a fireman, you know, in the, in the traditional sense of keeping people safe from fire. Um, and he uh, volunteered for a buddy shift um, late on a Friday night. Um, and uh, before there were laws about natural gas mains and labeling and all that kind of stuff, and apparently the building that they all went into was on fire and the gas was running and nobody knew. Turned the gas off at the street to the wrong building, popped the manhole cover, turned the gas off at the street, but it was the wrong building. Um, first shift comes in, runs out of oxygen, comes out. Second shift replaces my dad's shift. Building explodes, 50 plus people injured, four guys die. Never met him. So it's personal. And the obstacles the way. You know, that, that could be a showstopper. Or that could be the friction that hurts, but it drives you to do something that you know is in you to do, to receive that inheritance. Even, maybe the word is spiritual, but a transference of something that we all have in common, that is that alchemy, that is 
how can we take the thing that's dangerous and bring life out of it? Your first conversation with me about embrace the animal, that's the first thing that came to my mind is that idea of facing death. It could be the death of a vision. It could be the death of a relationship. It could be the death of a person that we love. Um, but really being out here in what we think of as the wild is really being on an edge of losing all of our illusions. And I think the most powerful transformation we can have as humans is the death of illusions, of being in the future or being in the past, but never being here now. And my experience around fire, even as a child, wearing my dad's fire hat, you know, and looking at the pictures and being told he was a hero and all the things that come with that motivated me to say, you know, how is it that I can take something that could be crippling in a way and transform that, be with that friction long enough that it could light a fire in me. And as you know, once the fire's lit, it sure isn't over. You know, right? You got a you have a whole amount of energy to keep the fire going. Um, so for me, it really is the idea of going backwards to go forward. And I know a lot of people have pain in their past and they want to just forget it and move on. Man, if we don't learn how to transform our pain, then we are going to transmit our pain and it will just keep going. So there is a generational transfer that's poisonous, that's toxic. And it is the transfer of injuries that we have not tended to, that we've not kindled into a roaring fire. And the fire, just like it does in a forest, it purges the little saplings, the little undergrowth, the crap that's kind of choking everything out. Every once in a while, it just needs to get burned the fuck out. And when it does, it's beautiful. It's terrifying and it's awful. But if we stay at that part of the story, right, then we're stuck. But to me, there's the next chapter, which is that manure gets turned into fertilizer and that fertilizer gets turned into a flower. And I think that's the life lesson around bow drill. It's around anything. And we we're just talking about this today, but you know, to see the depth of truth in any one little skill. And I like the primitive skills because they are a technology. They're not an electronic technology, but they are a technology. It seems to me though, the more refined the technology gets, the harder it can be to see the lesson in it. So when we come back to something so basic like fire, you know, and in this case, a bow drill, it's, um, it is embrace the animal. It is embrace the edge. It is embrace the unknown. There is something there that calls to something that maybe you could say it this way. It's words in the service of the unsayable. There's something deep and powerful there. And reclaiming that requires that process and that friction. And then something brilliant, something almost magical happens. Fire. <laughs> you got to go back to go forward, man. That might wind up on an Embrace the Animal shirt. I got to say, after that story you just laid out, I'm not sure that there's anything I can follow that one with. That's 
pretty powerful way to take something as devastating as a loss like that and turn it into a source of strength. We always say that the struggle is the strength, you know. Uh, that, that will to continue, and I hesitate to call it a primitive will because the foundation of this is my belief that we have access to all the same powers and abilities that our ancestors did, which is why I don't believe in the concept of superhuman. I believe that there's only human, all things, all things made possible by determination. But it's truly impressive to hear it so beautifully articulated how such a painful story can be turned into such a source of strength. I'm not sure I'm ever going to look at the bow drill quite the same again after that, my friend. Keep up with the savagery. Follow us on Instagram or YouTube, or find us at embracetheanimal.com.